0: This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker.
1: And a guten Erev Shabbos. I'm Mashi Lipsker, delighted to be with you on this Erev Shabbos of the third in the book of Shmoy's Exodus. When I say hi to all my friends at our parents' home, I know you're listening. And may you have a wonderful Shabbos ahead. And to all our listeners, it's a special Shabbos. Because two weeks ago we read about the beginning of most terrible oppression enslavement of our nation and it moved last week into the first of the the seven the first seven of the 10 plagues that were visited upon the egyptians each preceded by warnings and yet the egyptians did not believe did not respond Certainly, Pharaoh didn't. And we're coming now to the climax. We're coming now to a partial that gives us the last three plagues. But interestingly, before the last plague, the death of the firstborns actually happens, something unique and different is presented. And that is that Hashem gives us mitzvahs. While still in Egypt, we get the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh to sanctify the new moon, the mitzvah of sighting the new moon and declaring it as the beginning of the new Jewish month, and also the mitzvahs of Pesach, the mitzvahs of celebrating Passover, the Paschal offering, and so on. And it's amazing Before that final plague, while still in Egypt, at the very end of that bitter exile, they get a mitzvah to declare the month of Nisan as the first month. And we need to understand, until now, in world history, there was another month which was considered the first month. It was the month of creation. The month when man, who is the purpose of creation, was made. And that was always considered the start of the year. Now in middle, many, many years later, two and a half thousand years after creation, a different month is chosen to be the beginning of the year. Very interesting we need to understand what is the difference between the month of creation and the month of Exodus. And generally speaking, this first mitzvah, to fix the new month, focuses us on something called time. And we need to look at what was the purpose of creation in the first place? How Does that purpose come into actuality? How do we reach the purpose of creation? What do we need to do to bring this world to its goal? And what does time have to do with it? And so here, while still in Egypt, on the dawn of becoming a nation, while still in Egypt, preparing to leave and to receive the Torah at Sinai, which would take place exactly seven weeks later, the first mitzvah, the fixing of the new month, is given. Because when they would receive the Torah, it would be the Torah and its mitzvahs, God's commandments, God's rules, God's will and wisdom translated into action. And every time one of those mitzvahs would be observed, It would bring the world one stage closer to God's goal. Because every time we fulfill one of God's commandments as it should be fulfilled, another place and another moment becomes holy. And we want to talk more about this, but today I welcome a very special guest into our studio. She has been here before. And we've spoken, but lots has happened since then. Welcome, Mushki.
0: Thank you. A good nerve showers to you and to your listeners. As always, it's a
1: huge treat to be here with you. Well, welcome to Johannesburg from Mauritius. Yes. Mauritius uh, has been in the news this week, hasn't it?
0: Mauritius has. We've had cyclones flying overhead, but thank God all is pretty much unharmed and I think it speaks to what you're speaking about life, time, you know things. we have our ups, we have our downs but the main thing is doing what we can
1: and trying to come out in the best possible light that we can come out in that's brilliant because actually you've really hit it on the head we don't control nature We don't control um, God's divine providence. He does. But it's fascinating to see the exact timing of Hashem's direct involvement. You know, we would have chosen to do it differently. But he actually sends us these curveballs, which are actually filled with gold, with diamonds, with potential. We've got to field them. I love that word that you're using, the word potential. Potential. As you were talking about
0: the mitzvah, the very first mitzvah that the Jewish nation as a whole is given, the mitzvah of sanctifying the moon and the mitzvah of our calendar, it reminds me of an interesting concept. When do we sanctify the moon? When do we bless the moon? We bless the moon when it's coming to the beginning of the new month. And if we look at the cycle of the moon, At the beginning of the new month, the moon is at its smallest. The moon begins just as a tiny sliver, sometimes not even visible properly if it's not a very clear night. And it grows and grows till the middle of the month when it is a full shining circle, a full shining light, a real beacon in the darkness. And once again, it begins to wane until the end of the month. When it's once again just a small sliver and then what will happen? We will once again bless the new and upcoming month. And when you use that word potential, we could almost think, why are we blessing this little sliver? Shouldn't we wait till the middle of the month when it's a huge shining light that is so apparent and the blessings are so full and there to see with our naked eye? But no. We've been given the mitzvah. When should we bless? Bless the potential of the moon. Bless the potential in the month. When you see that little sliver, there are limitless possibilities and one is able to go so far with their time. As we know, what do we have in a day? Okay, that we know. It's easy. 24 hours in a day. 1,440 minutes in a day. 86,400 seconds in a day. And... What do we know, especially coming now from January, the the new year of the world? Oh, we are all making a lot of resolutions. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that because we see the possibility within ourselves. And yes, one may slip up on their wanting to do certain things. One may not always fulfill their day to the utmost that they can. But we know the potential that we have. And when we bless that moon at the beginning of the month, we are blessing ourselves as well as all the Jewish people, as well as Hashem, as well as the month, saying, I see that potential within this month, and I'm going to give it all that it can. I'm not blessing that revealed full moon. I'm blessing the full the moon that can be revealed, which is why I love that word that you used over there, the word of potential. Hmm.
1: Well, that's gorgeous. That's absolutely inspiring. I love when you mentioned how many seconds there are in the data. What did you say? 86,400. Yeah. I I saw this wonderful little quote in Reader's Digest once upon a time, and they speak about the potential in a day, and they put it this way. What if every single day, $86,400 was deposited in your account? But you could only use that money within the 24 hours because when the day would finish, your balance would go back to zero. How How would you run around on that day spending, investing, using, giving away that money? Amazing.
0: But we have so much more than money. We have power. We have strength. We have possibility. Mm. And most of all we have
1: potential. Awesome. But you see, money, in that sort of way, talks to most people. Correct. They say, don't waste it. But what if people would say that about time? What if people would say that about the energy they have when they wake up in the morning? Yeah. What if people say that about any one of the blessings that empower us? We would just not stop drawing on the abilities and gifts God has given us and they are limitless and try and use it all in the day in a sense we cannot use today's gifts tomorrow use them now now is the time we'll be right back after this short break this is conversations with Mashi Lipsker not Mashi Lipsker This is Erev Shabbos Parsha's boy. The third Parsha in the book of Shmois, The third Parsha in the book of Exodus. And today is the third day of the month of Shvat. We have started a new month. We had Rosh Chodesh this past week on Wednesday. And we are talking time and potential. But potential in terms of everything that a human being is about and that Hashem intends the human being to bring out during his life, during his day, during his moments from the creation that Hashem has prepared. And with me here in the studio is Mushki Barber. Mushki, someone I've known all her life, all my life. You've known <laughs> me, <laughs> how true, ma. And Mushki and her dear husband Lema and their three kinderlach are shluchim, emissaries of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, to the island of Mauritius. How long have you been there, Mush? Wow, on I think we're
0: we're fi- five years or so. It's how time does fly. Huh. And, and it's interesting, you know, when you speak of, of potential and you speak of this week's parsha, parshat bo. And how does bo begin? That Hashem is telling Moshe, bo el paro. Now, what, what does that mean? Come to paro. Now, there's a few interesting things that could jump out in that phrase. The first thing is Hashem is saying, come to paro, meaning, That Hashem is not saying, go to Paro. Hashem is saying, whatever difficult times you may encounter, I am there. If Hashem wasn't there, he would have sent him. He would have said, go. But telling the instruction of come is saying, I'm here waiting for you. You need to approach me. Meaning, I am standing with Paro. I am standing at the difficult time waiting to catch you. (laughs) (laughs) And even more interesting is that Hashem would say, come to Paro. Because what does Power symbolize specifically to the Jewish nation? It symbolizes, and he symbolizes, a difficult encounter. He symbolizes problems that we faced in our history. He symbolizes a real time of slavery, of times when we haven't been free. And Hashem is saying, come to Paro. Why should you come to Paro? Because when you encounter the difficult times, when you hit rock bottom, that's when you find your potential. Mm. And Hashem is saying, if you come to Paro, I will then be able to help you reach greater heights. And it's only through Moshe coming to Paro that the Jews will finally able to be freed. And only through that were they able to receive the Torah and go on to Eretz Yisrael. If we don't face the demons, if we don't face the difficult times, we can never reach that glory. Wow. If we're always treading in the shallow end in the pool, how could we ever be an Olympic swimmer?
1: Wow, okay. how <laughs> beautifully put. Indeed. In fact, when Hashem says, come to Paro, Paro also symbolizes in the world. He was a superpower at that time. Materialism. Um, sensuality, vulgarity, physicality, to, to the millionth power. Correct. Paro and his society. Egypt. Power, might, wealth, opulence. And strange to tell the holy man Moshe, come to Paro. Go there. Yeah. But in truth, our work in this world How true. is to go into the place where there's least godliness and to attack it at its root, but connect it to Hashem. As as
0: throughout the ages, Jews, we've had this dilemma of do we stay insulated within our community, insulated within our families and our shul and not venture out too far in fear of becoming too mixed in with the world out there? Or do we reach out in order to reach in, and reach in in order to reach out? And as you mentioned, myself and my husband are living now in Mauritius, for what? I mean, most definitely the fabulous sunshine. Ha! But (laughs) we're there as... Hundreds and thousands of young Chabad couples around the world are fulfilling the dream and legacy of the Lubavitcher Rebbe of blessed memory, which was what? I will find and hunt out every single Jew in love. We are there, why? Because there are Jews who did not move there because they're looking for a shul. (laughs) They did not move there because they are looking for a minion. They moved there because that's where life took them, but we're there to build that community for them. And in life, it's not only about, oh, who went out to Siberia and who went out to Uzbekistan and who climbed Mount Everest. In those 86,400 seconds, every single one of us are faced with moments where we are able to reach in to bring another one up. And we are able to to help someone else because we've been put in that situation. We would never be put in that situation otherwise.
1: That's an incredible insight. Each one of us is exactly where we are right now because Hashem has brought us there and He's there with us. And it's all for a great, deep, divine purpose. So whether you're... In Johannesburg, in a shop, in a classroom, whether you're in your kitchen, whether you're, God forbid, sitting in a wheelchair. Yeah. Each one of us, complete soul of creation, we've got to look around, we've got to look within, we've got to look without, and say, why am I here? And if one doesn't find the answer easily, one needs to turn to Torah. And more importantly, to find a Torah true teacher who can help to make the message pertinent for now. You see, every time we do a mitzvah, and the mitzvahs are many, the holiness is felt both in time and in space. But most mitzvahs are limited to a specific place or time. We light candles at a certain time on Friday and make kiddush and say the Friday night prayers or read the Torah all at specific times. A baby boy has his bris on the eighth day. A bar mitzvah takes place when the child turns 13. He's called up to the Torah, etc. We need to bless the moon in the right time. That's amazing. Because the mitzvah of fixing the new moon is making time itself holy. Not just making time holy through doing a mitzvah, but the mitzvah itself is sanctify the time. And do you know which one of those mitzvah jump out to me that is not time
0: bound? The mitzvah of Avat Israel. Sure. That's amazing. What what is explain to our listeners that term? reaching out to one's fellow and treating them as you would want to be treated and extending oneself often when we don't feel like it. Hmm. And that has no specific time or place, meaning that if we want to sanctify any moment, how can you sanctify any moment wherever you are? But doing that mitzvah of making time holy, make time for someone else. Put yourself aside and put someone else first. And that can happen any time,
1: any place. Well, your being on that island of Mauritius conjures up to most people, oh, she must be sitting at the beach or whatever. But I know that you spend and your husband spends sometimes 22 hours in a day reaching out to people. That is the, the crux of why we're
0: there. And... It's more than our life's calling. It's a true privilege. We're there because we're part of something bigger. And we're not there on our own strength alone. We could never be there on our own strength alone. We're only able to accomplish what we accomplish through the blessings of the Lubavitcher Abbey. And being in a place like Mauritius, especially as you mentioned this week, it's been quite the the week over there. It really is a week about making every second count. My husband had for, for many, many weeks planned. Someone called him up. They wanted to get married yesterday. Everything was planned. Yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> Thursday. Everything was planned. And, um, obviously down to the detail of having a, the correct people there for the wedding, the minyan as well as the witnesses and each and every detail. Together with the Beth in here in South Africa, made sure everything is is ready to go. Thank God we have many kosher weddings that happen over there, and who caters those kosher weddings? <laughs> so when I'm there, I I assist with that. Being that I'm out of town, that was my husband's forte. But little no. did he even know how much of it he would be accomplishing. So. Earlier this week, a cyclone is forecast, and as it comes closer and closer, and the categories climb Category 1, Category, everyone's finished stocking up and watching, Category 2, bringing in the furniture from outside. Category 3, you cannot leave the house, and no cars are insured on the road. The roads are empty. Now this is Wednesday. The wedding is meant to happen Thursday. So Off Lema went to the hotel, which is about an hour and 20 minutes away. On Wednesday, to sleep there overnight because Thursday he would not be able to travel once it hit the category three. And in suitcases were bundled all the ingredients. There went all the plans of Jennifer Kesheny, Deepa, ably assisting him up in the Chabad house kitchen. And now it's Lema and the ingredients. And little did he know, besides for conducting this wedding in a category three cyclone, that he was going. To be preparing all the kosher food for the guests that were there. Does he know how to cook? Oh, no, he's a fabulous cook. He's great in the kitchen. Thank, thank God. God. <laughs> and it's, it's really, you know, we, we never know which spanner is going to be thrown into which wheel. But it's all about how are we going to take what we've been given, how are we going to take those lemons and run with them? Because if we see it all as lemons, it's not, what is it at the end of the day? It just becomes bitter and it becomes sad. But if you see everything as potential, as exciting, and Lema gives me a call yesterday and he's telling me how fabulous this wedding was and I wish I could have been there, but what does it come down to? It comes down to making the most of what we're given. And those circumstances are sometimes ideal, sometimes less than ideal. But if we can really take what we've given and give it our all, there's no doubt we're going to come out on top. And as I've mentioned, those in the kitchen, actually, I think in Mauritius right now, they are listening. So I will give a shout out to the crew in the kitchen, kitchen Jennifer, Kesheni Lema. They are very busy over there preparing many orders to be sent out, preparing Shabbos over there, trying to cut and chop. I am not even a drop boy because they are all so capable. And it should be, you know, a, a real good Shabbos for the Jews all over the world. And wherever you might find yourself, extend yourself to someone else.
1: You never know where that might take you. That's awesome. Mushki, beautifully, beautifully told. I must tell the listeners that you got it in a nutshell. But this has been days and nights of blow by blow, watching the weather, countless phone calls, long-distance conversations and directions and advice, and where did you leave this, and where is that, and how do I do this, and... Big changes. But you know what it is?
0: What it comes down to is you may get a cyclone. Plan all you want. Have everything down to the last detail. I can't even tell you how many people from this wedding couldn't travel because flights were canceled. We can plan and plan and plan. As we know in Yiddish, a men's un man plans and God laughs. It doesn't mean he's laughing in, in an unkind way. It means he's saying you don't even know. And... We need to realize that I I believe my Zadie, your father, used to say, look how much we worry and it doesn't accomplish much. Imagine how much we would worry if it would accomplish much. What's the worrying going to help us? We need to do what we can because we are in the world of doing. We are in the world of action. What it comes down to is, yes, the planning and the thinking and all of that, but the action is what
1: will take us there. And the amazing thing is the results that you show – I mean, what has happened in these five years in Mauritius when you went there and how it was such a struggle for the first many, many months and years even. Nothing that we start. Kol hatchalot kashot. Every beginning is hard and even if you're trying to do something that's against your nature reaching out to someone else that you've never done phoning them to share that this week we're going to light our candles in most in those shuls that pray the same time all the time 6:15 if you pray in a shul where they start at different times like later on it's 6:46 Share that with someone. It may not be in your nature, but what you'll get back will be incredible. And as you mentioned the candle lighting, I'd actually like to bring
0: something to the attention of the viewers, something on more of a somber note. Um, This week, a seven-year-old daughter of a fellow Chabad, fellow Chabad colleagues of ours passed after battling a long illness. And so many mitzvot were done in her merit over the past year. Such a strong girl. And we can't understand the way Hashem runs his world. But what we can do is action. And Chabad Rabbitsons across the globe are trying to spread Shabbat candlelight awareness this specific week. And seeing if together we can get a few thousand women to light sharpest candles in honor of Hannah's memory, and as um, as you did say, Ma, that candle lighting this week in Johannesburg is at. Um six fifteen or six forty six. Okay. I mean anyone who's listening from Mauritius at six thirty eight. You <laughs> can light candles. But let's let's bring some much needed light into this world and together we can make that difference. And if you're on Facebook you could look for the global candle lighting campaign for HANA and um and join the event and share it and you know, in, in seven years of life, seven years is so much and seven years is so little. And that speaks to
1: making every moment count. Sure. Absolutely. And, of course, our hearts go out to the young parents who've struggled over this past more than a year. Yeah. More than, it's no, been more. It's two more than, two years, than a year. You, you are a right. A year and a half. With this little girl, young parents watching something where the doctor said they couldn't help and everybody praying and everybody doing mitzvahs. And the point is we don't always get the answer we ask for, but it's what we do with the pain, with the disappointment that really makes a difference. And it's not just all of us to make sure that we light our candles in time. That's the two things are in time and with the right brocha. Yes. But to get someone else to do it as well and little girls from the age of three or even younger if they can say the brocha should also be lighting their candles, especially inspired by the courage and the memory of this little khana. Yes, There is so much that we can do with every moment. We need to react to all of the stimuli. They've come our way. But the question is, how do we react? And we need to make every moment count. And that's why the Parsha begins with saying, come to Pharaoh, because that tells us that we're not alone and that we're not limited by the Pharaohs or the laws of nature or those in power or seeming power, for we are connected to a higher power. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. A good nerve Shabbos. I'm Mashi Lipsker. And with me in the studio is Mushki Barber. And we're talking about Mauritius, about the cyclone. We're talking about the things that come our way that we didn't plan for. And all that we have is our own reaction, our own choice. We can choose to sit back or we can choose to fill the potential inherent at that moment in that experience. And in this week's parsha, the first mitzvah of sanctifying time is given to the Jewish people while they're still in Egypt. Egypt. Was the prototype of exile. In fact, anything that happened in Egypt would subsequently happen in every future exile that the Jewish people endured. And we now come to the end of this final exile. And we want to draw not only a lesson, but strength and direction from what happened then at the very end of exile. So he said that God had a purpose in creating the world, and until this point, in world history, there was a different month, which was considered the start of the year, and that was the month of Tishrei. And we still celebrate the month of Tishrei with Rosh Hashanah, The years continue to be counted from Tishrei. But Nissan now became the first month. The years are counted from Tishrei, the month of Rosh Hashanah. But the months are counted from Nisan. Nisan became the first month, and Tishrei became the seventh month at this point in history. And that is because... Until Exodus from Egypt, until Yitziat Mitraim, the world was more or less under the influence of the constant divine forces that Hashem, that God had set into motion at the creation of the world. We call that nature. God's creation is called nature and more or less... That's how the world went. Of course, there were occasional miracles. But that was the exception rather than the rule. And that's why it was fitting to consider Tishrei as the main month. Because that's when the forces of nature, which govern the world, came into being. But now something in history, something momentous was happening. And that is what we call exodus, leaving the enslavement in Egypt. And this is going to contrast everything. Now, two and a half thousand years later, exodus is going to herald the birth of the Jewish people. And the Jewish people would not be subject to the limits of the natural world. How? How is it that a Jew is not limited by the laws of nature? And there's only one way. And that is by connecting, by being connected Mm -hmm. to God Almighty and to his Torah. Because his Torah means the instruction book, the book of guidance that he has so lovingly given us so that we can partner with him in bringing this world to its purpose. The people, the individuals, the nation, individually and collectively, we would now be living, walking miracles. And that's why the month Nisan means miracle. And not only miracle, but miracle of miracles. Not only Ness, our Ness is our miracle. But this has... It's Nisei Nisim. It has the Nun, which is the letter of miracle. It has it twice. It has both versions of the Nun. The Jewish nation now would become walking, living miracles. And the first example, this dramatic example, was this freedom with this mass of people, millions of people, walk out, people who were slaves, they walk out from the world's main superpower and the world can't believe it. The world is awestruck and they understood there and then that this people is connected to a power beyond nature, a power that does not answer to the laws of nature and the survival of our nation. Our history, at odds that defy the imagination, our history testifies to the Jewish nation's defiance of natural law. But the most profound way in which the Jewish people transcend nature is by achieving via the Torah Which gives them then this transcendent divine consciousness, an awareness of Hashem, and a connection to Hashem in this world. While living in this world, when we remain connected in everything we do, in the way we eat, in the way we walk, in the way we use our time, in the way we dress, in the way we think. We now bring God into the world. Here we are in a world that is totally, in a sense, on its own mission. Totally out of context in this finite, nature-oriented, orientated world to have a God consciousness. This is a world that runs after money and power and stature. This is a world of the superficial. This is not a world where the soul, this is not a world where the essence, this is not a world where the Creator is seen. But the Jewish people, their mission is to live in the world, but connected above, with an awareness of Hashem, and totally connected to Him, in a context which is so materialistically orientated. And when Nisan became the primary month, the world changed forever. It's true. Nature still exists. And that's why we still count the years from the first of Tishrei. We still... You know what happens on Rosh Hashanah? The world's material sustenance for the coming year is determined. But in terms of purpose... In terms of essence, Nisan takes the place of pride because the purpose of creation is actually to infuse the world order with God's transcendence presence in the way we eat, in the way we dress, in the way we do business, in the way we interact, in the way we view things that happen to us. We see godliness. And the entire world is changing. This has been through thousands of years of the Jewish people dedicated to Torah, which means guidance, hearing the word of God, walking with the word of God, and translating it into action in mitzvahs. Mitzvahs between man and man and between man and God. Mitzvahs that require us to use this physical material world and redirect it toward a holy, godly purpose.
0: It's as you're, as you're speaking of, you know, what's our purpose and how are we going to take action? We look at this mitzvah, which is starting the months, starting the year. And what was this week, starting the year? School year. School year. <laughs> All the little
1: kids dressed in their bright, shining uniforms. May I ask you, Mushky, what are you doing in Johannesburg at this time of year? I mean, obviously, besides
0: for sitting here with you on High FM... <laughs> um, Unfortunately, as of yet, we don't have a Jewish day school in Mauritius, and thank God my husband and I are blessed with three beautiful children, a six-year-old girl, a -a four-and-a-half-year-old girl, and a little baby boy. And they are homeschooled by me, as well as they have almost a full-day program in the most fabulous virtual Classroom, The online school based out of New York and Israel, the Chabad online school. And it's just it's a complete virtual classroom, a live teacher um, between six to 10 friends, which everyone's on a live feed. They can all see each other. It's just it's brilliant. I mean, between my two little girls, they have kids in their class from Thailand, Cambodia, India, um, Australia, Luxembourg, Nigeria, Nigeria, the whole world. It's, it's phenomenal. And these are all children of Chabad emissaries? Correct. That, um, most of these children don't have a Jewish day school where they live. And the educational and the academic in the school is absolutely fabulous. And, as parents, it's it's hard, you know, not to have your child in a brick and mortar school. As much, as much as it might be hard on us at times, it's hard to see the child in that situation, and and you want them to have the social, and you want them to to be around friends like normal kids. So my husband and I try to have the the kids. In the Torah Academy School, the most wonderful Jewish day school over here in Johannesburg. And they are always so warm and welcoming and accommodating to us. And this year, our big girl started first grade. And we said, you know, these are memories that last a lifetime, starting school, the first time in uniform, first time in big school and your books and your backpack and your stationery box. And we really wanted her to have that in, in a real school, so to speak. So so I'm here with the kids, thank God. And, and they're here in school. and. As you speak of fresh starts and, and the year and new years and new months, that's what it brings to mind, all these children going off to their new classrooms. And what is that about? To see how how are they going to navigate this world? How are they going to take action as small people, as as big people, as adults? That's what we're doing. We're preparing the next generation to take that action to turn this world into a better place. Because at the end of the day, that's all we can do. Use the strength that we have and take action
1: to to do good. And yes, I do keep- No, we're going to have to end soon. So whatever else you want to say. And then I do want to just say that in the Parsha, it is about education. It's about telling our children as part of the Pesach Seder, we say it. Telling our children the story, the story of the Exodus, which means telling them about their identity. Where do you come from? You come from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And where are you going? You're leaving Egypt every day in a personal sense. There are Egypt's things that enslave us and hold us back. But we're going to get the Torah, which means that through the Torah, we can free ourselves on a constant basis. And, of course, being able to study those things together with others makes it so much more meaningful, exciting, and real, very pertinent, wouldn't you say? Completely. So you've done it. You've brought the kids here and we had the great privilege of seeing little Sarah in her new uniform together with all her grade 1 classmates start school with her shiny school bag and her lunchbox and her pencil case and meet her teachers and that's a great gift that you've given her. And a true inspiration, because I know it wasn't easy for you to leave Mauritius, leave your husband there to do this huge undertaking by himself. I think, you know, wrapping, wrap the, wrapping the beginning up in the end is,
0: what is it about? We know the, the very famous poem of Footprints in the Sand, that a man is looking back at his life, and he says, God, how is it that during the difficult times, there's one pair of footprints, and during the hard times, there's two. When things were hard, you were walking beside me. But when things were, e- um, when things were easy, I'm sorry, you were walking beside me. When things were hard, you, you left there. me on my own. And God said, no, I was carrying you. Hashem said, Ba El Parai, come to Parai, I will carry you. What do we do sending our kids off into a new, new school year? I will carry you. We need to reach out to our fellow and say, at times when you cannot walk on your own, I will carry you. I will be there for you. And at times when it's hard for us,
1: someone will be there to carry us. And there you are. So you came. It wasn't an easy stretch, but you did the right thing. And we need to know that when we do the right thing, we're partnering with Hashem. And He carries us. He comes with us. And He opens doors that we never expected to open. So let's partner with him. Let's reach out to others and inspire them to light candles in the right time with the right bracha, especially this week in the memory of little Hannah. And let's see if our bit of light that each one of us adds won't just do it and bring the great light of the future into manifestation. A guten Shabbos. Good Shabbos.